right. Well, I'd like to welcome all of you to our PO Leadership Snippet Series and our webcast this afternoon as we speak with Nelson Fresco, President of Mealy Canada. So just so everyone knows, each week we go out there to share some of our member stories, try and find some great positive stories, some tidbits, lessons that you can sort of pull and learn from and really help you engage in your upcoming week. Our intentions are sort of to get you out on the right foot uh, to a great positive week. So Nelson, I got Nelson here. Thank you so much, Nelson, for joining us today. Thank you. Um, I know you've been a member for a couple of years of PEO. I know you started originally as in the, as a VP and then rose to the president uh, this past year. Congratulations. Thank you. They gave you a role to come into with a big world disaster. You're the man to sort of come into that role. <laughs> well, because I, I never would have envisioned this being my first 100 days, but it, uh, it has been and it's, it's the new reality. It's unbelievable. Well, you'll be able to write a story, the new story of your first 100 days as a president. <laughs> that is true. That is true. The first 60 were pretty smooth. The last 30, we've all been through it. Oh, yeah. So I, I thought, um, I, I sat in one of your group, in, well, in your group uh, a few months ago when you first came into the group and uh, listened to your story. And I thought, oh my God, I got to get Nelson to start with a little bit of his journey into actually even getting to Mealy and just to share that with the group because um, you don't typically come across leaders who have come up that way. So Nelson, tell us a little bit about the story. I'll try and keep it short, but it's definitely a, a unique uh, way to how I got to where I am today. And it all started when I was, uh, I guess, 19 years old. I was uh, taking business marketing at a community college and I decided, uh, you know, Schooling wasn't for me, so I decided to drop out at that point, and uh, I ended up opening up a, a bakery, believe it or not, of all things. And it was an established bakery. I knew nothing about baking. I had no money to purchase this bakery, uh, but I was able to, able to scrape up enough money to, to open up this bakery. And uh, I was 19 years old. I knew nothing about P&L. I knew nothing about HR. I knew nothing about baking. I knew nothing about fixing machines. Um, I was very green. Um, but the journey over the, you know, the next six years I always say that's where I got my master's in business because um, then I had to learn HR. I had to learn how to fix machines. I had to learn P&Ls because I signed every check. And then the most basic, I had to learn how to bake. So uh, I do know how to bake. Um, so I did that for six years. Uh, I grew the business to, to the point where I was actually purchasing the most flour, believe it or not, in Southwest Ontario. And uh, I got to the point where someone came in and made me an offer when the bakery wasn't for sale and I sold it. So now I'm 25 years old and I don't know what I want to do with my life. So uh, it landed me at Tim Hortons uh, where I ran three locations for another six years. Um, and I did that for six years. And after that, um, my partner and I, we decided to get out. And when we got out, I was now 33 years old. Uh, didn't know what I wanted to do with life. Uh, I had no post-secondary uh, papers or diplomas or anything like our degrees. Um, and I ended up at a Christmas party that year in 2006, and someone said to me, you'd be perfect at Mila, because they like entrepreneurial people who are not afraid to have a difficult discussion. So I came home that night, and I told my wife, I'm going to work for Mila. It doesn't matter if it takes 10 years, because the plan was to take the next 10 years off and raise uh, my daughter. Um, and it took about six months, but finally there was a job posting for a sales rep in southwest Ontario. I applied, and... Um, Luckily, I got the phone call because I know the service tech who, uh, who handed in my resume. And uh, I started my career here at Mila in 2007. 
I did that first role as a sales rep for about six months, uh, then got a new position with more responsibility, did that for about another year. Then I became regional manager, uh, did that for about four years, then became vice president uh, for five years, and then, uh, no, six years, sorry. And then after the sixth year, uh, Eve Delcourt, who was a former PO member as well, he uh, took a position at Mila Australia as uh, president there. And I was shoulder tapped uh, by the board to see if I'd be interested in taking on the position of president. So I've been in this role now for 105 days officially as president of Mila. So it's been quite a journey. Uh, couldn't have done it without everyone's help uh, since the age of 19 till today. Everyone had a stake in my success to get to where I am, but a lot of hard work for sure. Um, and I, I've loved every step of the way. That's the cool version. No, that, that's, that's absolutely fabulous. You know, um, obviously, Mila really, something about Mila attracted you into that to apply, right? And, and the one thing I've learned from you and Eves and even talking to Jan, who's in the U.S., very quickly, you guys have such a unique culture. Yeah. And um, it's really an engaging, inspiring, it's still structured and it's demanding. Um, but what is it about you guys? Like, what are you doing there to drive this type of culture in, in this organization? I, I say it starts right at the top. You know, the owner's name is Dr. Mila, Marcus Mila. Um, it's still a family-owned company, and you feel it right down to the entry-level position of Mila. Everyone, uh, it feels like it's a family. It's a family-type atmosphere. We really have each other's back. Um, every decision we make is not about selling boxes. It's about building the brand. And that's for us, number one, before everything else. Uh, top line revenue, it is important, but for us, it's building the brand. And uh, I'd say family culture uh, is the one thing I'd say that I noticed my first week here. It's one thing that has grown with me uh, 12 years later where I can still say family uh, run business. It still very, very much feels like that. When I look around, uh, when the office is filled, when I look around the building, it really feels like an extension of my family, the 260 employees that we have. It's the culture that we have that family is always first, everything else is secondary, uh, and we preach it. We don't just, we, we believe it, we act on it, we don't just preach it. So uh, I'd say families, um, the family type business is, you know, and, and you know Eve uh, as well, he's, he's very much like that. And Jan, um, he's very, he's about the people first. And I, I think anyone getting this position, that's the number one thing they look for is, uh, are they a people person? Do they believe in the employees? Uh, and do they believe in the brand? So I think, I think that's what makes us different is that family culture that we have here. Yeah, it, it kind of, because it's interesting, it's very difficult for an entrepreneur usually to sort of fit in the mold into a, you know, a multinational corporate organization. Right. And, um, and you've done it. And not only that, it's appealed to you, you've thrived in that environment. If um, it was any other company, I, I don't think I would have uh, risen as, as quickly as I did. Um, if it wasn't for Mila and the philosophies that we have here, because uh, they, they actually, they look for people who are entrepreneurial. You know, that service tech who told me back in 2006 in December that I'd be a perfect fit at Mila because of my entrepreneurial background. Uh, I never realized it until I got here and, you know, 12, 13 years later, I actually see that, yeah, he was absolutely 100% right. Uh, people with entrepreneurial spirit thrive in our, our culture here. Um, there's no micromanaging there's no emails from the board saying where are the numbers um, if anything you get emails from the board saying great job i saw the thing you did on the brand building on mila live 
I think that's great. Keep it up. There's very rarely an email saying, where are the numbers? I, I have yet to see one from, from anyone in Germany. So that's reassuring that it's all about the brand and uh, sales are important, but the brand is number one. And uh, being entrepreneurial is great. So, uh, you know, it's, we're, you know, it's an unusual time. We've gone, we're going in the midst of that pandemic, right? We're like into week five or week six. Right. You guys, like a lot of organizations have gone through massive tran transition or especially with the employees and stuff. We're, we're sort of at a time where we feel we may be coming out. So almost like a transition or in preparation for a bit of a reset. And you and I had some brief conversations about, you know, during this period of time, it's how important it is to start thinking about what does the new world look like and how do we start pivoting? And you guys are doing some amazing stuff in a very difficult environment and rethinking in terms of how you're running your business. Can you share a couple of those things with us? Sure. So the, when this whole pandemic started to break at the start of March, I you know, approached our marketing department. And one thing that we're not strong at is actually digitalization. Our online platform could be so much better. And uh, our VP of marketing and our VP of sales came together and they actually, within 10 days, were able to launch a new platform and a new sales channel for us, which is what we call Mila Live. And what that is, is a live streaming broadcast that we run three times a day uh, at one of our showrooms, because we have five showrooms. And it's, uh, it's, a, it's a chance for consumers to actually call in. It's almost like an infomercial. So they call in, we actually answer their questions live on television, which is through the website. And we actually generate sales and our sales were actually up over 100% in the month of March by launching Mila Live. And the other thing that we're doing is we're, you know, because this is our opportunity with, with this challenge or this pandemic is to push the envelope. So next week, we're actually going to start something called live consultations. So as a consumer, you can actually book an appointment at one of our showrooms across Canada and we, we will use the platform of Zoom and we will do an, a Zoom platform consultation with with that consumer out of one of our showrooms, uh, obviously practicing social distancing. So it'll be one employee only in the showroom and they'll take the employee through all, or the customer through all the appliances and we'll be able to transact as well. Um, if it wasn't for COVID-19, we never would have done this. This would have been something in year three and four that we may have looked at, but now we're pushing the envelope and there's other ideas that we're, we're trying to spearhead. But the really, I guess the biggest compliment to us is that Mila Germany, the biggest, uh, country that we have that sells Mila has approached us and they want to actually implement the exact Mila Live in Mila Germany as well. So they're using our platform and they're now introducing it into Germany. We've had other uh, countries like the US, Mexico, um, and some other European countries who have actually reached out to us uh, if it's okay if they use our platform and our content as well. And we said absolutely. So if it wasn't for this, we never would have. Uh, rushed so quickly to get this up and running, but it's it's been a huge success for us and we're gonna continue to push the envelope on this one. Do you have any advice to uh, some of the leaders of you know in our community, outside of the community? What did you do to actually come up with these ideas? Like how did you, they don't just happen like overnight or in thin air, did you, was there a team? Who, who comes up with these ideas to pivot like this? Um, I would say, the one great thing that uh, you know COVID-19 brings out is the entrepreneurial spirit. And now is the time to have an entrepreneurial spirit, to think outside the box. Because um, consumers right now are in their living room and how do you reach those consumers? So, you know, when I went to Germany last year, when I went, went through the whole interview process to be Mila president, they asked me, where do you see Mila in five years? And I said, 
our biggest weakness is our digitalization and is our biggest opportunity to leapfrog our competition because no one else does it. Um, so that was my five-year plan is to digitalize this whole company. But we did over the last two weeks where we're digitalizing everything um, in every avenue. Like we're now we're reaching out to our national account partners to see, can we set up Mila Live on national account websites? And we'll give them the transaction, but can we go into, let's say, the Costco's and the Best Buy's of the world where we have a meal employee out of one of our showrooms through their website transact vacuums for one of these national accounts? Um, so these are all things that have always been going in my head for the last 10 years. And now, because of this, it's given me the opportunity that I have the freedom to do it. And Mila Germany is, um, yeah, they've been fantastic with this whole process. And they're not asking, I'm not asking for permission. They, uh, they said, now's the time to be entrepreneurial and we applaud you guys for doing it. And uh, yeah, now we're sharing best practices around the world. And I have so many more ideas on how we can digitalize this company even more so than we are today. And you're gonna see more digitalization out of Mila over the next six months uh, as we come out of this. It's the opportunity to change. It's the opportunity to come out stronger at the other end of this. So. Awesome, thank you so much for uh, sharing uh, Thanks, ideas and stuff. Um, it's something that I think all our leaders really need to start thinking about. It, it, you're right, it's funny how trauma sometimes drives innovation and thinking. This just took something that you were already thinking right. and accelerated it at a speed that if we sat and talked about this three months, you'd be like, no, no, that's going to take us a year. We don't have the resources. It's amazing what happens here. Well, because it, it also takes uh, financial means to be able to do something like this. Yeah. And because there's been so much cost cutting across the company that we've we found the money to do this and we had to and um, it's starting to pay off. And we're going to continue to leverage and double down on this platform. That's awesome. Well, thank you again for your time and sharing uh, Thanks, your story Leon. with us today. Um, I wish you all the best this week, you and the family. Be safe. Yep. You too, Leon. Thanks for everything. And uh, if anyone has any questions, you know where to reach me. And I'm always uh, a phone call away. That's great. Thank you, Nelson. Thanks, Leon. Take care. You too. Bye for now. Bye-bye.